Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one platform that's transforming how market-leading sales organizations use Salesforce around the world. Move past the call reports, pipeline reports, and forecasts, and stop using Salesforce just as a system of record. Let the Exvoyant team show you how to use Salesforce as a system of impact, improvement, and performance by creating one-on-ones that ignite and inspire. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Sean Murray, Chief Revenue Officer for SalesLoft. Sean has an impressive track record of driving success with industry leaders you know well. During his time with CEB, he had his fingerprints all over the Challenger sales launch, and after that, during his journey with Exactly, he was critical to taking them public and ultimately selling the company to a private firm. Today, Sean's helping SalesLoft change how modern sales leaders provide a world-class sales experience for sales organizations around the world. Sean, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It is a treat and a privilege to uh, speak on behalf of SalesLoft, but also to address uh, your many listeners. It's an incredible podcast, and I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem, Sean. Since the day we started this, you know I've been talking to you about getting you on the show, and I'm a fan of SalesLoft. I'm a fan of, of, of uh, everything we can do to improve the modern sales professional experience, and I believe that what you guys do at SalesLoft is amazing, and I'd be excited to have you on. Can you start this interview by telling our listeners a little bit about SalesLoft and what you guys do? Yes, I would love to. Uh, at SalesLoft, we, in short, we make software for salespeople. And what's very interesting about SalesLoft, I was a customer myself before joining the company, this journey that we're on and changing the overall sales craft. But over the last few years, we've been studying heads of sales, sales operations, sales development from over 1,700 organizations around the world, very progressive companies. And what we have identified, which is probably not so much of an insight, but we found that selling today is hard. And despite our best efforts, myself included, many sales leaders around the world, while they've been trying to modernize their sales organization and buying all different types of technology to become a modern sales organization, whether it was a power dialer or power email or marketing automation or what have you. But despite our best efforts, the results are down. When you look at CEB now, Gartner, or you look at Forrester, Sears Decisions, Topo, when you look at these firms, what they are showing us is that reps on average, their their attainment towards quota is coming down. The time that they're spending navigating uh, different systems is on the rise. The amount of time they're in front of their customers, that's going down. So despite our best efforts, it's actually getting worse. And the sales profession is in jeopardy. And so uh, what we have found, which I thought was just wildly uh, progressive and interesting to me, was less about the go-to-market sales that's changing. It's the buyer's experience that's changing. Mm-hmm. The way people buy is different. And so at SalesLoft, 
We're helping our customers reach to their market in a more authentic and sincere way, yet doing it at scale. And so I just had this wonderful journey of being part of Sales Loft and just understanding what our customers are saying to us and how do they increase their experience to their end customers. And uh, it's, it's been a fun ride thus far. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that because you've really teed up what I think are going to be some important things for us to talk about uh, relative to what's happening with salespeople and, and how do sales leaders address these trends? Because I think you're spot on, Sean. I think the job has gotten harder for a lot of reasons, and it might be primarily because buyers are changing. They're becoming more informed. They have more options. And I think that your story is so unique for this. Could you spend just a few minutes, because I'm a big fan of what you've accomplished personally, and I want our listeners to learn a little bit about you, because I think that your perspective is so so unique given where you've been. Could you just talk a little bit about your story, what led you to sales loft? Yes, absolutely. And what we've observed is that, uh, and you mentioned CB earlier, is where I really started my career, is that 53% of customer loyalty is measured today on the sales experience. Can now, you say that again? 53%? 53% of customer loyalty is measured on today's sales experience. Wow. And customer loyalty defined as your customer's ability to reference uh, you to, their, uh, to a colleague, right? So uh, I have been, or if I could say in one word, what I love about sales, the one word would be everything. Uh, I've been <laughs> of the craft for 20 years now. And, uh, you know, to answer your question a little bit about my background, um, I studied, I went to grad school and studied advertising. And I thought that was going to be my journey. Yet I had my first role as a sales development rep. Uh, you know, we were riding our horses to work back then. It was a long time ago. Uh, but <laughs> Um, that was my first taste at uh, B2B sales. And I fell in love with the competition, the excitement of winning. Uh, and obviously, the more I put in, the more it gave me back out. And so I've been in sales my entire career. Um, and I stayed at CEB for you know just a little over a dozen years, and which is pretty uncommon today to stay at one company for so long. But I did because I loved it. It was an incredible organization. Um, I'm a nerd at heart and valued the research that we were delivering for our customers. And what I really wanted to do is to take that best practice and benchmarking mindset and bring it into the SaaS space. And so I earned my first role with Exactly. And my role with Exactly was to grow and scale the sales organization to prepare for an IPO. And I was able to leverage my knowledge and being a nerd and a geek uh, about just overall go to market and apply that with exactly. And so uh, I was able to do that and obviously learn a lot more about this ecosystem that I joined about six years ago. And, um, and that's when I met uh, Kyle Porter at uh, SalesLoft. We, we sold our company to private equity and I was going to join Vista and their team and stay with exactly a little bit longer, but I had this unique opportunity to meet Kyle Porter and the team at Sales Loft and be a part of uh, what we are doing. And the reason why I joined Sales Loft is because we are redesigning and reframing the sales craft. Hmm. And I know yeah. that sounds ambitious. However, I'm get to where I get to be a part of it and, and see and talk to our customers that share such exciting stories with me about how they're leveraging the platform to engage their customers. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just been a treat. So 
um, my career path has been all about sales and how do I reshape and reframe the craft. I love it. And what really screams to me, and I hope our listeners are picking this up as they listen on, on their devices, your passion just comes through. And, you know, and, and that's so cool. It's so intoxicating to hear your passion and the love of what this is. And I think that makes a perfect segue to the first thing I want to talk about. I know Kyle. Kyle's a fantastic leader. And I know a lot of the Sales Loft crew. And, and one of the things that always screams at me about Sales Loft in general is there is a genuine love for the sales profession at Sales Loft, in my opinion, as I talk to those people. You joined, Sean, a really successful company that was doing a lot of things right. It's a different challenge coming into a company that's doing a lot of things right and say, now it's finally next gear, right? How do you do that? How do you join a really successful company that are doing things right and then say, let's find what's next? There's got to be a whole layer of complexity in that. Can you talk through a little bit about how you approach a challenge like that? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, first let me state that every organization, every leadership team, every company, we all have development areas. And it was a treat to join Sales Loft because I would characterize myself as joining that team as just injecting some wind in their sail. Um, it was uh, very well uh, developed and I was able to join the company just at a, a critical time, just before we raised our Series C. And, but, but yes, you know, getting get to your, your, your question, we always have room to improve. And so it's really a framework. And the way I would take a look at my first 90 days in C was I ran uh, an audit of sorts and would take a look at the full anatomy of the revenue organization and the entire company. Things such as overall growth strategy, talent management practices, operations and analysis, and what I wanted to do is to take a look at where are we strong and effective and where are gaps in development areas. And so that's how I thought through my first 90 days in the role is just to look for that low-hanging fruit. And so I made some, some big moves in my first 90 days, and um, which turned out to be the right moves. Um, but I also, this is not my first rodeo. I want to make sure that I understood why decisions were made before me before I acted too aggressively. Because to your comment earlier, it, I joined an incredible company, which is, uh, which is, what's a fortunate place to be. So I like it. So what you're, what I'm writing down in my notes as I listen to you, Sean, is really you, you, this thing that you, you say you did an audit on things like talent and growth strategy and, op, and ops and you're looking for gaps. And it seems to me like you're, you're taking the approach of I'm going to diagnose before I prescribe. And, um, did you have to involve, uh, the people there? I loved what you said. Seek to understand why decisions were made beforehand. Uh, did you, what, how important was it to pull in some of those other people that made those decisions and make them feel like they were part of what you were doing next? Everything. And everything to do with it. Um, you know, I joined a leadership team that was evolving and I had admired and uh, they're very thoughtful individuals and I wanted to make sure that I understood their thought process before making recommendations. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the board and uh, the leadership team brought me in for a reason to propel their growth and ensure that I'm enabling healthy growth for the organization as we march towards an IPO. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I had uh, observed what had happened in the past and um, the lessons learned from those that were in my seat beforehand. I was their first CRO, right? So no matter what I did, I felt like I was breaking glass or stepping on eggshells because it was a brand new role. Um, but getting everyone involved in business partner alignment 
that's everything. And in fact, what I would argue about SalesLoft versus many other companies I've ever worked with across anywhere around the planet, we have strong organizational health. And that is a key differentiator for uh, what we're doing for our team and our employees differently than anybody else. Okay, I want to come back to the strong organizational health concept because this sounds really interesting to explore a little bit how you get there. But before we do, I want to stay on this idea one one more minute. I want to just dive into it just a little bit deeper. We have a lot of listeners that are sales leaders that would, you know, part of what their game plan is is one of two things. A, I got to take the team I have up to the next level or I'm going to be joining a team that they're going to need me to take to the next level. Any kind of roadmap or, or blueprint uh, bullet points you'd say to the people who are listening when you're looking to to do what you did and say, how do I do this audit? Where do I find those gaps? How do I make changes without losing my team, but instead in, enable and engage my team? Any kind of like key things that they ought to think about if they're going to try and do the same thing you just described? Yes. And if I could capture several years of mistakes and uh, prescribe a potential best practice is I would encourage every listener to write this down. Healthy growth, versus growth. And while I know that sounds very simple, it was a strong reminder for me that uh, I've, I've seen the playbook and I've executed the playbook of just growth. How do I throw bodies at things? How do I spend money on brand and buzz? That's, that's easy, right? Um, the hard part is enabling healthy growth. And enabling healthy growth, it's really about the talent acquisition process and ensuring that you maintain the culture and climate that got you to where you are today, that you maintain what that means. And also, you're constantly thinking 12 months out. Am I up-leveling the organization to perform what 12 months is going to look like for now, right? So you don't don't think of today. You're always thinking one year out. Will this individual, will this team, will this market, will this region – Will this perform for me in 12 months versus the problem that you want to solve today? So again, just let me say it. I want to make sure I I, I add value to your uh, listeners. It's about healthy growth, not growth. There's a difference. I love that. You know, a few months from now, half a year from now, we could have you come back and have a podcast just on healthy growth versus growth. I think that's a killer, killer topic. And I think that's a good leave behind right now. And, And so I hope everybody wrote it down like I did. Let's make sure that as we look for that, where's the growth coming from and how's it healthy and and that's fantastic so let's let's get on to this other thing that you brought up now you you mentioned that there's just really strong organizational health in your organization right now how do you measure organizational health how do you know when you have it what does that even look like sean sure um well it, it'll be hard to answer in such a short time horizon <laughs> uh, but when i think of organizational health what we say internally at salesloft is our five to thrive right these are the five elements that will generate organizational health. So we subscribe to a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. Uh, he wrote a book um, called The Advantage, and we are huge believers. And what we want to make sure that we do within Sales Loft is we have those five elements to create organizational health, which starts at um, trust, right? The, it, it, everything seems to be a framework, and I apologize for that. I, I, you know, I said I'm a nerd. Um, the, the, the bottom layer is trust, right, is making sure that, we have a leadership team at the very top of the company that has trust with each other so that we're able to engage in healthy conflict in order to achieve that buy-in, which will then generate results, right? And so when we think of 
building and growing SalesLoft, we now have over 300 employees, is that we have established the core values of our company. And what we do on a weekly basis, as we grow, and it may seem repetitive, we're constantly addressing and talking about the core values of our company. And when we started on day one, and ensuring that we hold those true today. And so how do we know if we have established the organizational health that we do have, there are several feedback mechanisms that will, that at least confirm with us that we're on the right track, right? So whether that is on social, we do culture amp surveys frequently, right? So we're making sure that we're getting feedback from our team because we have a servant leadership attitude within our organization where we serve the company, not the other way around, right? And so nice. I think of my philosophy towards leadership uh, the team doesn't work for me. Yes, I sit on top of the revenue organization, but it's very important that the team realizes and understands that I actually work for them. So it's the other way around. So again, at a very high level, building organizational health is very important. And we realize that we have established it based on feedback from our current employees, but it's just that constant communication and reemphasizing why we believe it to be important. Love that. So, so that's another could be a really deep topic, but I love, so this is, I'm ticking it off. So the first thing you did when you come in is you do this audit on where the gaps and you're looking for healthy growth versus growth. And part of what you're doing there is you're building strong organizational health. And I love, I actually love that book. I'm looking at the book on my bookshelf right now. As you say that, I, I would recommend that for every leader as well. What else? What are the non-negotiables for you? As you say, you know, getting into high growth is one one thing, and SalesLoft has done that. Your job is to continue to push the accelerator and, and increase that growth. What are the non-negotiables for a, a team that doesn't just get there but stays there? Sure. Uh, what I haven't talked about yet is it's one of the core values of our company, but it's putting our customers first. Yep. Um, there probably are very few companies on the planet that if you go into their headquarters and you walk into their uh, you know, their lobby, uh, and there's some stuff about customers on their wall. And that's that, that's the right thing, right? Um, however, taking that to a whole different level and true meaning is what's critical. And that's something that we are obsessed with, is making sure that we are helping our customers win. And I've never been part of an organization where we didn't talk. We talk about our customers more than anything else at the executive level, all the way down to our interns. And the reason why is that we are obsessed with helping the sales craft get to the next level to help other companies and businesses thrive. And so one of the hashtags that we have at the company that just really took off was sales love. And, um, and we believe it. And so when I think of how we serve our customers, and that is something that we are just absolutely unwilling to Think about anything in a different way is how we are serving our customers. So that is what's most important to uh, to me being a leader and how I make sure that as we grow and we're growing quickly, but it's just always being obsessed with our customers, um, spending time with them, listening to them, making sure that we're innovating our software and our platform that helps them engage with their customers. So I, I could go on for a, a day about that topic, but I, I you know, the paying attention to your customers, I know that sounds cliche, but yeah. really meaning it and really doing it. It's different. Yeah. And you know, as you talk about it, you, you're so that passion continues to come through and that, that really can't be faked. And, and let me ask you just a question about that, Sean, how important is you as a leader being authentic in your passion about what we're doing? How important is that for you to be successful as a sales leader 
in your experience? It's everything. And we all get to choose where we'd like to go work, or at least we'd like to think so anyway. And uh, right or wrong, I'm sure the rest of your listeners, we spend the majority of our waking hours um, in business and working. And if you can find an opportunity that you can be a part of a company that you genuinely love and you care about, um, it's not work anymore. Um, I think of my uh, my role at SalesLoft is fun. Uh, I enjoy doing it. The, the messages, the daily messages I receive from our customers on how they earned a win because they leveraged our platform is why I'm doing what I do. And I really want to make sure that at least in my role and what I do in my life and how I think about my family is that I want to be part of giving back to a craft that's been so good to me across my entire life. And so I would encourage your listeners to find what it is that they love in their life and spend time doing that because uh, life is pretty short and um, it's just really important that you care about what you do. So that's another one. I'm making that one of your non-negotiables and I'm piecing this together, man. Number one was, you know, this framework, this audit that you did. Number two is organizational health. Number three was customers first. Number four, what I put on your list is this passion of find what you love, do things that you're genuinely like having fun doing and, and can be excited about. Anything else I should put on this list of your non-negotiables for having a high growth team? Yes. I mean, the, um, your, your company culture is wildly important in focusing on your employees and your people. And as your listeners should realize, you know, as, as sales leaders, it's very difficult for us to control or change the company culture. However, there is a layer above company culture and it's called the climate. That's our job. Our job is to manage the climate of our organization, not just in sales, but the entire company. And making sure that we take care of the people that are coming to work every day and um, putting their full heart and everything that they have into this, into your companies, into their job, making sure that you take care of them and you're paying attention to them, whether that's creating exciting career paths, proper development so they can get ahead in their life and so that they can do great things and fulfill their dreams that they do have. But uh, the takeaway for your listeners is to focus on the climate of your overall culture. I think that's wildly important too. Yeah, I like that. I, you know, we've had a few guests come talk about culture, but this concept of climate's a different one and it's so unique. I want to sit on it for just a, another minute if we can. I know we're starting to have to worry about time, but not yet. Any best practices on how do you manage climate as a leader? Yes. The most important role in an entire company is your first line sales management. And the reason why I'm so passionate about the sales management, so your first line managers, they have a direct impact on your, your company's climate. They control the mood. They control working with uh, business partners, um, working other silos and other divisions and other geographies. Um, many of our, of your listeners uh, have offices all over the world. Your first line managers, that's the biggest lever that you have to drive climate. And they cascade the information coming from the C-suite to, to the actual uh, folks that are on the phones connecting with customers. They're, they're the ones that connect the messages with those that are sending email or shaking hands or whatever the case might be. But um, that's how you can really have a strong lever on your climate is your first-line sales manager. So does coaching play a role in that? Yes, 
Absolutely. Uh, coaching plays a significant role. And we know best practices is to spend 4.2 hours a month with your direct reports. And the difference between coaching and training is coaching is a one-on-one engagement while training is a two or more on one engagement. But coaching is everything today. You just gave me some, some nice drops on there. I want to make sure everybody got that. 4.2 hours is optimal. And I'd love to talk about that. I'm guessing that comes back from some of your CEB days, maybe. Uh, and yes, I, I said that I was a nerd. So yes, everything has a, a data point. It seems <laughs> brother. I love uh, you're, you're my kind of nerd. Let's put it that way. You're my kind of, my kind of, nerd. And, and I love your definition. One-on-one is coaching and two, two or more is training. That That's a killer definition that I hope everybody takes away. Sean, this, this is outstanding. I, I have this great bullet points now, culture versus climate and passion and all these things. This has been outstanding and it's been inspirational. I'm fired up and I, and I know our listeners are going to get a ton of value from this. And I first want to thank you for sharing this. I want to shift into another question now just because of time and it's, it's an important enough one and I'm, I'm dying to hear your answer on this. Okay. Um, as a leader, scoreboard obviously matters. We know that scoreboard, and by scoreboard, what I mean is sales. I mean, we, we have to run to that number, not from it, or else we're going to be a crappy sales leader. <laughs> That's right. Fair to say? That's fair to say. Okay. but So take that off the table. We're going to go ahead and say scoreboard is the ultimate thing. Other than scoreboard, how do you know as a leader if you're having impact with the team? I can't wait to hear your answer to this because this is the thing. As a sales leader, it's lonely sometimes, Sean. How do you know if you're winning other than scoreboard? Sure. Uh, I've had this saying uh, I've used for the past few years, and I shared my philosophy towards leadership earlier in the podcast, which was I work for the team, not the other way around. Um, One indicator that I know that if I am – helping or if I'm adding value to the organization is when people come to me with questions. I know that sounds simple, but if for your listeners, if people aren't coming to you, you're not adding value. And so while it's very hard to balance time and time management is a massive skill to develop when you're in these roles. uh, However, that's a great indicator to know that if you are adding value, if you're helping is that people are coming to you (laughs) for help. That's how, that's how you know. I love it. Are you bringing questions? That's a real simple litmus test. And am I getting questions or am I just getting reports, right? Yeah, I have a, like a joke where, you know, I used to measure, you know, am I getting holiday cards? <laughs> How many am I getting from customers? <laughs> and of that nature? Like, oh, that's a good indicator, I guess. Um, uh, but really it's, it, you know, just to keep it simple is, you know, that's how you know. I mean, obviously um, you hit the nail on the head. You obviously know uh, if you're adding value is the scoreboard, right? Uh, the business outcome, that's what matters, right? But it's, uh, you know, on a more on a personal connection front, if, if people are coming to you for help. I love that one. So, so this has been so good. I want to start to finish the way that I finish most of them with everyone. And the first question that I like to ask everyone is, as you look back over your career, what's the biggest challenge you, fa- you faced as a sales leader? And then how did you address it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've been paranoid for 20 years now uh, because, uh, you know, we get to work in sales and it, it comes with a lot of stress, you know, the, the peaks and valleys of the role. So um, every day has been a challenge um, just being and studying our craft. Um, some of the biggest challenges that I've um, faced was adopting to new ecosystems faster um, coming from the professional services, the business services world, such as a CEB, Gartner, a Forrester, Serious Decisions, 
um, and then flexing into the SaaS space. And then SaaS software has its own ecosystems, right? Um, but uh, it was a challenge to adopt and adapt faster because the technology moves so fast and it's moving faster than a human could. So that's been a big challenge. Um, and, and really how I've overcome those challenges is just becoming obsessed with focus and the team, um, just realizing that I have to make concessions in my life. And the, the biggest priority is my wife and my kids. Um, and then second is this craft in my role um, and, and learning that, right? So I had to give up a lot of my personal interest just to make sure that I could adopt and adapt faster. That's a great answer. And I think that's a challenge that everybody will, will relate to. Um, any best practices on, on kind of how you've been able to do that? Yes, there, there's a, there's a great book on how you measure your life. And, um, really what you want to do is not necessarily calculate all hours of your life on a spreadsheet of sorts. Um, <laughs> but really I would just say, you know, you can create a four box and just take advantage of what are your priorities and what's important and what are not priorities and what's less important. When you actually put it on paper, there's a ton of insight on where you spend a lot of your time and where you're getting value from it and where you're not. So I, I don't, sorry, that's not a best practice. That's just a tactic that I've used in the past. I can't prove yeah. it. I, I don't, yeah. Take away the official, like uh, your consult, <laughs> your, your, your thought leader background on defined best practice. Just what's worked for you. I like that that's worked for you. That's, that's what people want. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm inspired by what you're sharing with me and I'm interested in how you do that because that challenge you shared, Sean, I think every single leader has that challenge because we don't have an easy job and keeping the priorities right is the only way that we can ultimately be successful because, you know, one of the other great leaders that came on, Mark Smith from Wampley, he -hmm. said that the personal and the professional, you can't separate them. They are intertwined and you have to have success in both or else you won't win. So yeah, that's spot on. And, um, I have a personal relationship with my business partners you know, where I get to spend time with their kids and with their family because um, there, there is a, a harmonious blend between the personal and professional. And in my life, it's the same. It's one and the two. And uh, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. And there's a big difference with have to and get to. And you know, getting back to the comment earlier we had in the podcast where I would encourage your listeners to find something that they love and find something they can get behind. Because if you do find that, again, it's not work. It's not hard. It becomes fun. It just becomes your life. And that's just what you do every day. Yeah, that's, that is a great, great takeaway for this. Our listeners are going to really love this. This is going to be one of those episodes, Sean, that gets downloaded and listened to multiple times, starting with myself, by the way. I want to thank you for that. And I'm going to finish the same way I finish every episode on this is leaders are readers. You know, one of the things that makes for uh, uh, these high growth leaders is we're always looking for something to learn and what's next. And, and I like to ask everyone, anything that you think should be required reading for anybody that wants to be a high growth sales leader? Uh, yes. Um, let me give you five. Woo! Uh, yeah. So we mentioned Lencioni, The Advantage. It's an incredible book. Um, I'm just finishing Danny Meyer's Setting the Table. That's about um, being obsessed with your customers. Um, the, the next would be the Challenger Sale. Yes, I have a bias. Um, <laughs> I've had an opportunity to launch and uh, be a part of the sales team that drove that that study into the market. But that's still a very incredible read today and very relevant. Um, the next would be Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. 
I won't say a bad word, but it's an, it's a fun read about prioritization. And then last but last, not least, my favorite business book that I get to read to my daughter on a consistent basis, but it's The Little Engine That Could uh, by Wadi Piper. Uh, it's, um, it's probably the best business book I could ever recommend. I have given that book as a gift many, many times. So, Sean, I am with you. I have every single one of those on my shelf. I'm looking at them. But none of them have been recommended on this podcast yet. So thank you for suggesting them. I can't tell you why, why that matters so much, Sean. I, I get messages on LinkedIn and email every single week with people telling me that they basically say when those books are recommended, they go to Amazon and put them in their cart. And I've had a ton of people say that just the books that are recommended from guys like you are difference makers. So thank you so much. As, as I look at this, there's so many things that jump out about our conversation. I, I'm going to refer to you as a sales climatologist from now on, Sean. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're my sales weatherman, you know, and, and we, I'm one of those guys that say our job as salespeople is to make your own weather. Uh, I'm going to take it one step farther. You've just taught me to make our own climate, create our own climate. Yeah, that's, that's what we are doing from now on. Any final thoughts that you have for our listeners as we get ready to wrap up? No, I, I mean, yes. I mean, again, I could talk too long. Uh, it's been a treat. It's been a lot of fun. Um, to uh, address your your listeners, and you know we've got this wonderful opportunity today to support our crafts, and it's such an exciting time to be a part of connecting buyers um, with what they need to drive their business. So um, I'm glad that, uh, and I know that your your listeners are very busy, and they would hold you and myself to a very high standard. So I certainly uh, hope that I delivered some value to your listeners today. Yeah, there's no doubt you did that. This is going to be a good one for me personally. I'll get a lot of people saying, hey, thanks for getting him on, Rob. Now get him on again. That's what I'm going to hear, Sean. Um, Sean, final thing. How do people get more of you? How do they follow you, uh, see what you're doing, and, and just as important, learn more about Sales Loft? It, it, can, you, can you help them know how to get more of you? Absolutely. So um, we're very big on LinkedIn. Um, you know, after we raised our Series C, LinkedIn was part of that Series C investment. So uh, I was a huge fan before um, that happened. Uh, but we are, uh, and sales loft, we're very big on LinkedIn and I and myself am all over LinkedIn. I think it's an incredible platform and product. Um, obviously our website, salesloft.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You know, we're all over social, so we're not hard to find. That's for sure. But I would say that the best way to follow up on sales loft and myself would be on LinkedIn. All right. His name is Sean Murray. He's the chief climatologist for Sales Loft, and uh, they are changing the sales experience for salespeople around the world. Sean, it has been my pleasure to spend half an hour with you on this podcast today. I want to thank you on behalf of thousands of listeners who are going to hear this and tell you, uh, like I tell the rest, you know, don't worry because we got you and happy selling. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, and welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I am so, so appreciative and excited that we had Sean Murray of Sales Loft on this interview with us. You know, we really had an opportunity to get a recipe for killer organizational success from one of the very, very best in the business. You know, Sean's breadth, as he's helped a company go public and other ones go from startup and launch the Challenger sale. It's just, it's just a, a really rare opportunity to get such a great uh, perspective. And as I listened to Sean talk about growth versus healthy growth, I was reminded of that great famous speech by Jim Rohn. And if you haven't heard this, you need to go look it up, where he talks about the setting of the sails. And he, and he talks about people in their careers being like the captain of a ship, 
where a ship uh, doesn't just wait for the wind to blow them, hopefully, in the right direction, and that success doesn't come from the direction that the wind blows. Success comes from the way that we set our sails. And uh, really, you should go listen to that. It's a really, really good speech. And our job as sales leaders is to make sure we're setting the sails so we get where we need to get, regardless of the direction of the weather. Now, Sean gave us five elements of his blueprint, and, and all of them were everything. If you go back and listen, every one of these five were everything. That's how important they all are. And he started with this audit where he said my job was to seek to understand and to get a, a real sense of where we were from a talent perspective, strategy perspective, ops perspective, what the gaps looked like. But what his point to me that really stood out was involvement from everyone was everything. So involving people was everything. That led to the second one, strong organizational health. And guess what? Organizational health was everything. Uh, listen hard to that section and, and ask yourself, do you have the feedback mechanisms in place that really build trust. Third, you know, he talked about putting customer first, and he was very clear, don't be cliche about this. Their idea of customer first at Sales Loft isn't just do they have a good experience, though they do that. His was, we are obsessed with helping the sales craft improve. And so we're not just going to give a good experience. We're obsessed with making sure that the whole profession advances because you worked with us, which really different way of looking at it. And, yeah, that's everything. Um, I love when he said passion is everything. The authenticity we have as leaders on how do we make sure that it's not work, but we really have, you know, at Sales Love, they call it sales love. And, and I thought that that was really contagious. I'm going to spend a little more time on that in the so what section. And the last part of his five-point blueprint was climate. And I love, you know, that idea of being a climatologist. Who's the climatologist for your company? It, it, it ought to be the sales leader. And so... He talks about that, and guess what? When it comes to, to climate, coaching was, you guessed it, everything. So go back and listen to his definitions. Go back and listen to his tactics. I think you'll find a really killer blueprint. But what I want to focus on is that passion. The passion of Sean Murray was uh, undeniable. And most of the really great sales leaders you've heard us introduce to you have their version of that passion. And one of my favorite topics is to break down passion because everybody talks about passion. I want to leave you today with my thoughts around why passion matters and how do you create it. And many, many people don't really know where the word passion comes from. My definition that I like best of passion is a barely controllable feeling or emotion. It can be applied in a lot of different settings. But a barely controllable feeling or emotion is what passion is. What most don't know is what the Latin root of passion is. And that word is passio. And passio, roughly translated, means to suffer or to endure. So I want you to think about that. So before you can have that love, before you can have that barely controllable feeling or emotion, that thing that's, that Sean said had been so good to him for his whole career, you must first have the passio. And passio... What am I willing to endure? What am I willing to work for? What am I willing to potentially even suffer for? And so I want you to challenge yourself and ask yourself that. What are you working for? Are you enduring for your team? Are you going to battle with your team? And are you willing to maybe sometimes suffer through things with your team so then you, along with your team, can feel that euphoria that only authentic passion brings? You know, the way I learned this was a lesson that a, a coach taught uh, my son as a quarterback when he was learning that craft. 
that your ability to have the euphoria that comes with winning and succeeding comes only after you've been willing to do the work and suffer. And I think it applies even more to our job as sales leaders. Are you developing a culture of passio? Are you a passio-driven leader? Because if you are, you will then feel that authentic passion that only comes as you've done the work first. I challenge you to look at that blueprint that Sean gave you. Uh, I, I think we were so fortunate to have just such a great leader join this podcast. And I want to thank Sean, and I want to thank each of you for listening to it. Keep those reviews coming. We appreciate it. Keep those nominations coming on who you'd like to hear from. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please, please share it. But most of all, keep helping the sales leadership craft advance. Our job is to be climatologists for all of those thousands of salespeople around the world that only want to win. Nobody woke up in the morning wanting to be managed. All of them wake up hoping to win. And the best way to do it is to lead them with a blueprint, blueprint like the one you heard today. So with that, I'll remind you the same as always. Don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.